Commanders, and welcome to episode 236 of Leave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I am your host, Colin Phoenixifier Ford, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, we do have our uh, Head of Health and Safety, Commander Aid Levice, that's Ben Moss Woodward. We do. I, I've managed to get myself in a big hole, but I might not be able to show anybody because because uh, of tech issues. Mm-hmm. And we also have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Hello. And we have three guests with us today. We have uh, the legend that is Polish Dan. Howdy. Yeah. If you want your miner, that's the man. Uh, we have Commander Will T. Riker, who is also a miner. Hello. Hello. And also joining us... Um, the the organizer of the distant ball primetime casual good evening good evening um unfortunately we are having a little bit of technical issues tonight so um although we are out on twitch um i don't think anybody can join you in open tonight can they ben doubly not because i'm not in open i'm in fleetcom still all right well if you're in fleetcom and you will be in fleetcom for probably several more months colin yes i know Unless everything goes wrong and Shan kills me while we're in, in out on Distant Worlds too. Well, yeah, yeah. As, <laughs> as you can't get, and you can't join us in game, we are also in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through livevideo.com slash live. Click on the live chat, and of course, we're live on Twitch TV slash live radio. So we'll just quickly go around to, uh, all our guests today and and find out what's what's. They've been happening in their life for the last week or so. So we'll we'll start off with Commander Shan. How have you been? What have you been up to? Well, those who have been listening uh, to the last few weeks have heard about the chaos that Marie Kondo has wrecked upon the Shan household, where yes. various possessions were devastated and thrown out. Well, the, the latest fad to hit Mrs. Shan is a TV show that says, Christy, fill your house for free. So we've spent the we've had the last four weeks of everything being thrown out, and now new junk is being put back in. Apparently, <laughs> right, fine. It it feels like it's a never-ending circle. It's a circle of life, isn't it? Yeah, but I quite like the the junk Marie Kondo threw out rather than. The equivalent of the Blue Peter sticky back plastic creations of Christie Feel Your House for Free. <laughs> I see. Um, and uh, in game, I'm, I'm well on my way to uh, this week's waypoint, um, debating whether to uh, do neutron star jumps or whether to uh, go a safer route um, at the moment. I've got quite a special cargo. Um, for me, I'm taking my one ton of my rare goods all the way to Beagle Point, so I don't particularly want to risk it being lost. So I may not make it to um, the, the the higher waypoint. But I've been that high above the galactic plane anyway, so it's kind of like a 
until I don't die. I've got a, I've got a couple of days to decide which route to take. Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, I'm, I'm doing this with a, a slight sense of trepidation. Uh, ben, how have you been this week? Uh, I've been all right, actually. Um, I went to see Captain Marvel over the weekend. Um, I've been fixing my bike up, so that's I, I now have a working bike again. That that makes me happy. Um, a motorbike or a bush bike? Oh, just a, a pedal bike. So, and it's not as nice a bike as yours, but it gets me from A to B, so that's a good sign. And I can put, and I can put my shopping on the back of it. I have a vision of Ben cycling along on one of those little pink bikes with the tassels on the handlebars with a shopping basket on the front. <laughs> uh, that's kind of awesome, but no, I, it isn't. I think that, that's more uh, Sally's kind of bike, I'd imagine. No, I, actually, I see, I see where you're going with that, Shani. It definitely has got Dora the Explorer written along <laughs> the side, hasn't it? Uh, but, uh, what else have I been up to? Um, apart from that, I've been yeah, distant worlds touring, and my my daughter is in quarantine basically because uh, she's got chickenpox and I've never had it. So if I go home, then I could wind up in hospital, which I don't really want. Have you not ever had chickenpox? I've never had chickenpox. All oh, right, because my, my parents are really evil, and oh, that any time anyone got mumps or chickenpox, they deliberately invite them round to play to we try had... and infect me. Yeah, we had the same. We had, you know, I remember having uh, mumps parties and things like that. Um, and I caught the mumps. I loved having the mumps, but I never caught chickenpox. Um, Did you ever do that with your kids, Ben? Or have you done it yet? All our kids have had chickenpox. I don't know if they've had mumps yet, but. They've definitely all had chickenpox. Yeah, but did you deliberately invite their friends round to influence them so they would? I think we have actually. Yeah, we've like you know, Luna's got chickenpox, so if you want cousin X to go off and get chickenpox to what to whilst they're one or two years old, come round have a cup of tea. Okay, I, th- I think we'll move on from this before we, we start attracting the anti-vaxxers. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the South Park episode, but anyway, everyone. Yeah. Commander Will T. Riker, how have you been for the last while? Uh, I've been fine. <laughs> I was cave diving in Budapest uh, and had a really nice weekend. Thanks for asking. Hang on, we'll just have to back up there. Cave diving. Yes, scuba diving, cave diving, scuba wow, diving in a cave. Awesome. Yeah, it is. Um, and there's a there's a cave, Molna Janos Cave, directly in the middle of the city of Budapest, and you can dive there. It's really awesome. That does sell the sudden what we're <laughs> the rest of our lives do seem quite inadequate. <laughs> no, I'm, no, no, quite, no. I'm quite glad actually because a great deal of respect for cave divers because if I remember correctly, it's. It's the, if not one of the most dangerous uh, recreational sports. It takes quite a quite some discipline to do that. Yes, but um, if you prepare properly, if you, it, it, it's quite safe actually. If you prepare. So, do you ever sort of imagine that you're you you you've got your REM lock on and you've only got so many minutes of oxygen, and you can, you run out of materials to recharge your life support. First of all, usually you don't go solo, um, so you have other people helping you there. Uh, if, uh, but 
you have rules for that. For instance, you only use uh, one sixth or one third of your uh, your air supply. Um, so you always have a safety margin, a big one actually. And it's really well lined out cape. So um, you <laughs> and you're diving with three different light systems. So you always have a backup light. It the chances are really really slim that something happens. Okay, I think I think we'll just all just take a moment there yeah. and appreciate. The- <laughs> Appreciate the awesomeness of that. <laughs> Polish Dan, how have you been? Where have I been? Thinking, what, have I, what have I been doing? Sorry, I was just thinking maybe um, he could go cave diving down Cal's bathroom to see if there's a blockage. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Oh, dear. Uh, so I take it that uh, you've we'll be, we're covering the, uh, uh, the mining CGs and so on later, Dan, but is there anything else you've been up to? I have just stepped down as head miner, fortunately. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm currently renovating uh, my house, and uh, my missus, bless her, as beautiful as she is, a uh, patience of a saint to put up with me for uh, since, God, whenever the organisation started. Um, so I've managed to focus was to make sure that I got all my radio interviews done and um you know all the cgs and organization went for went for uh you know as, as the, the cgs went as good as they could do and now unfortunately i have to uh pretend i have a real life and uh yeah renovate the building so a little bit of you heard it here first just wondering then if you're you're stepping down as being a minor you've obviously you, you've grown up a little bit there but will you still be pushing on to Beagle Point and things like that with the fleet? Or are you going to be um, heading back to the ball there? Um, my time in the cockpit is going to be very limited. So uh, I'll be chasing. If I do, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be chasing the waypoints, which is something I'd rather not do. As in, uh, I, don't, I said on the, in the announcement to the organisers, I said, look, I want to go out loving what we've done so far not to spend the next, you know, however many months just seeing the the funnel of the frameshift drive and maybe get back and organise. I'll still be in the mining uh, department, giving whatever, helping with the code blacks where I can and with the wholesales, etc. And any any advice anyone needs or information, I'll be there like a flash. But as far as uh, in the... Pseudo stepping down, pseudo stepping down on high. Yes, it- yeah. So, so who is sitting on the Iron Throne then? As far as I have put some recommendations in, and the organisation staff will probably announce it in the next couple of days. So it's not really like a Game of Thrones sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, also welcome for the first time. I, I think this is the first time. Prime time casual. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hi. Um, so without going into, obviously, the, what we're going to be talking to about later in this episode, um, what have you been up to for the week? Well, it's been, uh, last week has been quite hectic because of you know, the things we're, we'll be talking about later. But other than that, weather here has in, in Germany has finally cleared up. So I've been out and about on my mountain bike, mm-hmm. um, some rock climbing, and generally trying to, to relax. Oh, right. Well, so we've had rock climbers and cave divers. Yeah. Really sudden, shame here. I know. I, I, I now feel very, very unfit. 
Um, I mean, all I've been doing uh, this week, I have actually been starting my preparations for ECM, which uh, for those of you who know on the 20th of um, 20th of April, we have the ECM up here in Manchester uh, and I am preparing the uh, the next version of the miniatures game with some new models, uh, some new materials and, and manuals and things like that. So uh, it's, it's kind of that's kind of the focus getting things ready for that so hopefully hopefully i've got enough spare models to also run a uh, model painting competition for those people who want to be involved so we've got i think i've got a couple of spare sidewinders eagles and cobras for people to basically paint and once they're finished with it if they're proud of the creation they can pay a little bit of cash to the uh, to the uh, the hearing dogs or or special effect and they can keep their creation but uh, yeah that's like i said planning those together and at the moment i'm actually giving up on on fighting thargoids because we just seem to be losing so i've decided right i'm i'm going off and trying to get some uh, void opals because at the moment uh, the thargoids have wiped out so many of my ships i'm down to my last 50 million so i, I need to build my funds back up again so, having gone around the group, um, we'll just quickly hit some of the development news. Well, as has been noticed, there isn't much happening at the moment. Uh, we have had um, both Will and Paige on the forums discussing um, the fact that the CGs are taking a hiatus uh, for the next few weeks so that they can make preparations for the live events, which we will be covering later in the show. Um, <laughs> has anybody got anything to say about this? RIP community goals, long live the next community goals. <laughs> Someone raised an interesting question on the live stream on Monday, you know, the, the lunchtime one. Oh, yes. Where that was there, a really shipped one, that was. Where apparently um, there's an achievement on the PlayStation to successfully take part in 10, I think it is, community goals. And they asked about whether or not it will be possible to achieve this achievement with them changing the way community goals work. And uh, Will took the action to go away and find out. Uh, but it does, it's a quite an interesting question if you're on the PlayStation and want to complete your trophies. Mm, yeah, because um, I, I noticed, don't you get those kind of CG achievements on the Xbox as well? I'm not sure, but I'd assume you do. Yeah, it's pretty, they've got parity pretty much, don't they, between the two for their achievements? Mm. Um, I mean, the impression that I got was that they are preparing things that we're probably looking at a minor update beginning of April. Does that feel about right? I thought we've already had a mining update. Not minor update. Oh. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, basically. I'm... All these things I take with a pinch of salt until we actually get anything at the moment, I think. I mean, do you think that we're going to get the minor update when these new um, whatever they are going to be come in? Oh, that's, def that's definitely going to be a client-side update that's going to come with a bunch of stuff and they'll make a big deal out of it, yes. Nah, right. But when that's going to be, who knows. Mm-hmm. And what did everybody think of the latest stuff that came in the store this week? Wasn't it uh, Eden came on as a new Kovas? They did. I've heard mixed reports of uh, the Eden Kovas saying she doesn't sound the same as the voice pack 
Eden. Uh, what the HCS list pack? Yes. Mm. All right, right, fair enough for them. Uh, I don't tend to use different covasses anyway. I uh, a standard one. Mm. Well, I, I personally, I'd, um, yeah, I've, I've got plenty of the HCS voice packs, so I don't really, uh, really go for the for the the covas ones. So, uh, Ben, you're a, a, a basic hoarder. Have you bought any of the covas? I've got. I want to. Is there only way I can check just now? I've got one of them, but I can't remember which one it is. Um, I don't know if there's a way I can check. Let me have a look at my ship. Can I? I don't think I can. I don't think I can see Kovas as part of your ship details. Can you? No, I don't think you can. No, um, not unless you docked. In, so. It's in livery. Yeah, but I, I can't do it while I'm out in the black then. Throw your shit up, Ben, now, and then no. tell us if you've got it. No, it's okay. No, I, I am... So... Trying to instigate the space madness there. Yeah. I did go and get the Phantom um, oh, ship kit pack and one of the the, the shiny oil effect uh, paint jobs. Yeah, I'm not going to even attempt to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> I did get them, but I, I've not gone and bought the new... Uh, Kovas thing yet, mm. and I probably won't to be honest because I like the one I've got. Yeah, I mean I've, I'm spoilt with the boats. Yeah, I do have six of the HCS voice packs, <laughs> so, that, so that I've got a hopeful on bickering crew, and having Tom Baker telling off Brian Blessed is, and having Brian Blessed yell at you when you're when you're in combat is is just a joy to behold. <laughs> Basically, it's like lay radio but for the celebrities. And yeah, with more crew. intelligent conversation, I think, is the best <laughs> way to put it, Jeff. Uh, yes, well, moving on from uh, the rather light development news, um, I, I think we will we'll have to uh, welcome our guests. We've got, of course, Dan and Will with us, and there's also uh, uh, Primetime. Um, so there has been a second CG happening out there on Distant Worlds. So Ben, can you can you just give us an overview and and pull in Dan and Will on this one? Uh, I can do, yeah. Um, so as you said, there's a second uh, mining CG out at Explorers Anchorage, which is under five light years from Sagittarius A star. Um, I don't actually know what the hell we were building. I just know we we wanted a whole load of random stuff like oxygen and water and bauxite. I think it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we wanted a whole load of stuff. And typical, typical CG, do your mining, get your stuff, ship it back there. Once again, it wasn't using any of the new mechanics. It's just pure uh, mining laser and scoop stuff, which... You I could use subsurface. And yeah, you pop. could, but you don't need to. I think it's a shame that they've done that again. They didn't do a mining CG. That was just... you could We could have done the same CG back in you know, 2003 if we wanted to. 2003, I, 2013. I believe the CG was for a mega chip. I think it was, but I don't know. I wouldn't want to bet my life on it. But that's why we have people actually know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Will, tell us something. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if I might go uh, rewind a little bit more. Um, or when Waypoint 6 already was announced, a few people already went ahead to Waypoint 7. 
including me, because uh, we wanted to map again, like we did in the first CG, the surrounding area of the station. And to be honest, the response was quite different from the first CG. A lot more people showed up uh, so that I didn't even, uh, I wasn't fast enough to uh, get new systems to map for rings this time. I had to get a lot more people to actually find new systems. Uh, so huge thanks to HK Reva and Philanka for this. Uh, and uh, and we, to, if you want to get to the stats already, we mapped over 2,000 systems uh, within pretty much a 15 light year radius of the station. And we found over 500 systems with rings. Over 1,300 rings were mapped. That is more than 5,000 hotspots. That well, that's, that's impressive. Are you having to do all this mapping manually? So you go off and say, right, I'm, uh, I'm currently at FIPOA HD-GD D27-5254 Planet 1A. And then I go off and say, this contains A, B, and C rings. Or A, B, and C hotspots. Yes, or is there any uh, automated way to do all this? Yes, on the stream, you should be seeing uh, uh, the the document we used for mapping all that. Mm. But if for I'm recording right. all the data? Yeah, for recording all the data, what we did was uh, one of HK Reaver or Falanco or me, we went into a system and went to the navigation panel and copied all the systems from there. Now, one might say, why didn't we just use the Elite Dangerous database? They have a pretty good list there. Well, we wanted to do a really comprehensive and complete list, and therefore we we actually did use the database, but then checked uh, the navigation panels because this is the only way to comprehensively and completely get all the systems near a center. and. This is easy enough when you're starting in the in the in the station center because then you just go to the 49 systems that are on the left-hand panel and write them down. But once you move out, you always create kind of a sphere around your center with the systems that you want to map, and uh, and you have to figure out how to overlap those spheres in order to. On the one hand, get new systems, and on the other hand, don't lose any systems in between because spheres aren't squares, uh, aren't uh, cubes, because cubes would be way easier. So, and when we got those systems, we then, of course, flew to those systems. And as you can see on the screen, we write down a system, and then you map every ring to that write down how many hotspots you have there and there are some interesting caveats to that you can't just go ahead and do that because for instance you have to figure out that some hotspots are identical for different rings for instance alexandrite can be on an icy ring or a rocky ring and it even gets more confusing if you have metal rich meeting a metallic one because they have the exact same hotspots and what was again interesting, we find we found some unique hotspots. So we're talking about bauxite here. We're talking water, liquid oxygen, and we found a methanol monohydrate crystal hotspot. Um, apart from the water, where we found two, all are unique hotspots. Okay, I mean, sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm I don't know what the hell it is. I've just found a road plum site hotspot. Apparently, no idea what that is though. <laughs> yeah, no. That, that, that's a 
quite common one actually. You can okay. find that. Um, yeah, I was, I'm more excited in some ways about finding. I've got. I think I've actually got overlapping painite hotspots. Yeah, that's very good. If you find that, that's very good. Yeah. So what I actually wanted to ask you guys, what do you feel about that? Because what we found out is that for the CG, oh. if I might already go ahead there, uh, we needed bauxite, water, and liquid oxygen. Yeah. And we found the first ones ever hotspots of this kind in the game near here. Now, Are you thinking they were placed? On the one hand, Yes. On the other hand, we found the only methanol monohydride crystal hotspot ever in the game. And it wasn't used in the CG. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I tell a lie, by the way. Apparently, this is double, double painite with platinum in the middle. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Apart from the fact it's like 15, 20,000 light years from Sol or something like that. <clears throat> But yeah, apart from that, it's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely little hotspot. Um, but that's Dan. What so... is your opinion on that? You had some my opinion. Uh, well, some... <laughs> well, apart from I hope to God that the station doesn't dehydrate or run out of oxygen because nobody mm. mined water or oxygen. <laughs> I mind water and I mind some water and oxygen. <laughs> oh, a lot, a lot but a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm I, exactly. I share the same view as uh, Will. I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm leaning towards that they were placed there, but um, you can't you know you can't be certain because obviously there was a hot spot there that was nothing to do with the CG. So um, it'd be nice to think that they become rarer as you come out of the out of the bubble. But we did the whole we did the cartographics in the in the bubble initially, and we never found a single uh, hot spot of those types in the. Uh, in the bubble, in, in the bubble at all. So it just so happens that the the it almost is it coincidence that you, we just so happen to be five thousand light years and we find the only hotspot for a community goal that needs it, and then we go twenty six thousand light years out, and we also find another hotspot which is yeah. unique to anywhere that we know that's almost that's unique to another CG that requires it. So it, it's up for debate for sure, but. Um, I'm leaning towards a bit of the old Hanguavium. I mean, it to would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? To be fair, at the last CG, we also found the only methane plethrate hotspot so far. No, I think we found some this time as well, but last time it was the first unique one. So um, what I actually want to do in accordance with IMU and with people from IMU to map more systems to find out if it was actually... A coincidence, or and, and maybe placed, or if we can find something uh, more. I, I sometimes wonder at the logic behind the choosing of what materials are required for a community goal, because you oxygen and water wouldn't be very useful to construct a megaship, because it would kind of boil and evaporate, leaving just bauxite behind. So, you know, I just wonder when they create the community goals. Do they, I think they must, as you say, I think they must look at what's in the locality and say, well, we want to put it here. These are the hotspots in a 15 light year radius. So therefore, we will make these items required rather than applying any 
I think without any concrete facts, it's a difficult one to uh, put your finger on what actually what actually goes on. But I, I, to- I get it. I totally get it. We hoped that as a, from the organisation point, that when when the CGs were put to frontier, that they would they got the end vote on what was we we made rep- recommendation for what could be mine, um, and they basically got the final say. Um, we weren't privy to what was recommended, but they've gone with you know whatever whatever they said. They wanted to keep it relevant, in but it's above my pay grade. I'm afraid, or, or my knowledge, or brain cells, one or other, um, as to whether it would be relevant. So that's like you say, that's your area of expertise. Yeah, I mean, it might make it might make a lot of sense, I guess, for for Frontier to go off and say, well, we know that book sites in the area, so. We'll make the CG look for bauxite. Um, that would make a lot of sense for Frontier, especially if they know what you guys are looking for. Um, yeah, out of, the, out of the list of stuff. But I also agree with you, though, Ben, is that um, they missed the trick with the car stuff as well. I'm yeah. surprised that they didn't have the car stuff, just for me last bit. No, I'd have liked that, but on the other hand, yeah, maybe it's they don't quite feel comfortable doing it or something. Can't think why they wouldn't, but maybe. Maybe it's because it's more dangerous, just because of that. Yeah. I think they should have added something for the truckers to do, like ship metal alloys out of the station. The truckers would love to ship metal alloys out there. Oh, I'm sure the truckers would, but it's not a truckers thing really, is it? It's a DWP thing. No. Just actually, question for, for you guys, whilst you know we're talking about the this new mini bubble, basically, at Tag A. You know, what's your purely in Law terms, I guess. What's your feeling about Sagittarius A star now supporting a a system population of you know potential several thousand? Um, uh, I don't know. I, it's a tough one because man's man's. Uh, I don't know what it. I'll need an explorer's opinion also, but from a miner's point of view, I mean, it's it's brilliant. I'm I'm quite a huge fan. Unfortunately, so I'm quite a huge fan. It didn't have a shipyard. Uh, whether it does gain one after all said and done, unsure. But it, it's nice that you don't just do what you need to do, and then you know I'll just ship my ship. You go in what ship you need that you're going in. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, I'm glad they did that, and I'm glad that the prison ship that's out there doesn't have a shipyard yeah. either. And I yeah. think that's the only prison ship that doesn't have a shipyard. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, so they must have deliberately removed them, and if they did deliberately remove them, I'm gl- then I'm glad of it. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to just jump in now? Yeah, I was just... When I saw about the building this mini bubble, um, the Dire Straits song, Telegraph Road, um, sprang to mind, you know, where the guy's walking along and he settles down and the whole town springs up in the middle of the wilderness. And... I can completely you know, see the point of view that it's great to have you know, a place where you can repair a sandy data and all the stuff out that way. But I don't know, it almost feels like you're setting a McDonald's up in Alaska, you know, or somewhere out of the way. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, I, can, I can see the valid points either way, but from a, from a purist point of view, it does seem a shame there's now all this out there and you know, the distance to the point where you can't get repaired or selling data has now effectively been cut short. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the data, actually. 
Um, hang on, hang on, Ben. ben, oh. ben. Um, Prime, have you got something to say on this? Uh, yeah, because I've been, been exploring a bit, uh, mostly exploring actually in, in Elite Dangerous, and I think it's it's quite a good good thing to have the station at uh, at the core, because you know we have the the Colonia Highway already to get more people to Colonia and back. And if we can get some more people out exploring and just seeing what Frontier all has, has to offer in Elite is a good thing. Um, I'm not necessarily agreeing that the station of the course should be like with a shipyard and every module and everything, but just a station there, you know, to to lessen the impact for, for new explorers to go out there and to motivate them to see the galaxy. I think that's a good thing. Okay. Uh, ben, yeah. do you want to... Jump yeah, back. I, 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 I think from a game perspective, it's a bloody brilliant thing. But I, I just think from a command, a sort of commander Edelweiss, sort of sitting there in the universe doing his RP for my merchant kind of stuff, we've now got seven hundred and fifty thousand people living a couple of light years away from Sagay. How <laughs> the hell are we supporting that kind of population? Yeah, back before release, wasn't there? Um, mm-hmm. There was there was almost like the forerunner of distant worlds, and I think it was called the Great Expedition or something like that. It was called where the yeah, first, first Great Expedition is that what you're on about? Well, there was a group of people who set out to go towards the core, and pre-release there was a big <laughs> thing about how easy it was. Yeah, and then someone goes there in oh, Zula Romero goes in there before thing and kind of like negates the whole thing. But there was a big build-up how they wanted to explore deep space and how the going to the core was going to be a big adventure and all this stuff that went on. And when I read about that before launch, it really excited me because I love the idea of having you're setting out in the black and you're just, you know, pushing the boundaries all on your own. I just really love the thought of that. And I don't know, it just feels a, a it, bit kind of a letdown. I, I know what you mean, Shan, because um, it's the equivalent of visiting the Grand Canyon, isn't it? Before uh, before you could get flights there, before you could uh, <laughs> before before you uh, they had roads out there, it would take a while to get out there on your horse. Obviously, in the old days, uh, but you'd get to the Grand Canyon, and the view would be worth it. I'm not saying that the view's not worth it now. It's just it feels that that view is diminished because it it didn't take the effort to get there yeah it's a bit yeah hmm. oh, same as snowden as well you know you can get a train up to the bloody top of that yeah but you can't do that on ben nervous true <laughs> i'm quite sure there are mountains that make ben uh where our guests are from who are you know, make Ben Nevis look like a hillock. So... Yeah, I mean, I can imagine people feeling a bit similar if you could get a helicopter rise to the top of Everest or something like that. Um, well, you can. I think you can. No. I don't it's, think helicopters are that high, can it's, they? It's too high for helicopters. Yeah. I mean, Everest is still pretty lethal, and one in ten people die. Going but there the... was a landing on the top of, heli- of Everest. Somebody did manage. Bloody hell. <laughs> Did they yeah. manage to take off again? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no just helicopter yeah. sitting up there. <laughs> there's a video on YouTube. You can watch it. and But there are no rides yet to the top because it's really difficult. Yeah. Well, kind of. Well, it should be, really, to be honest. 
So, I mean, have we covered, I mean, what's the difference between the, the current CG and the first one? Well, the CG's finished. Both of them are finished now, I believe. Right. <laughs> In terms of there's no difference, um, nothing, nothing really. We were quite boringly efficient for them, I suppose. Um, the, we, we set out, we marked out, and then everything was available from day one. So mm. there was nothing, nothing major. Like you say, like, again, not to keep going back to what Ben said, but again, because, I mean, laser mining is great for something like this. Laser mining is the absolute god for bringing everyone together. When you've got that many people in that, in that same location at once, you'd be silly not to laser mine from a, from a community point of view or a, a, an interaction point of view. But in terms of changing it up, mixing it up a bit, nothing really other than, you know, the, the stuff we were mining or the stuff we were actually mining. We had a few less, we had a few less contributors um, yeah. in, in, in comparison. I think we lost a few. I think there was less than half of CG1. Um, but we still made a, a damn good effort of it. <laughs> you still just about got to tier 11, didn't you? Almost. And that's Almost. despite having a bug in the mission board on the first day as well. Don't, don't get me started, That was <laughs> very <laughs> Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. That's not too scared for that, is it? Well, the, the irritating thing is, is every time there seems to be an activity in a single place that involves more than about, I don't know, a couple hundred commanders, the server seemed to fall over. You know, it's just like, it's almost predictable that they'll have a CG and the servers will fall over and they'll have issues. You know, and I, I start to worry about uh, squadron events and things like that as they get, you know, further on. Is that mm-hmm. just, it's just how, how are you going to have big squadron events and things like that if, if the servers are going to fall over? Yeah, well, that's one thing that we'll have to put a pin in and, and hope that they've got it sorted on. Um, uh, I do like that Merolinus, uh, I think I've got that right, um, he, he, he's agreeing with everybody, quite in liking the fact that there is a station at the centre of the galaxy. However, he does make the suggestion that he'd like a restaurant station uh, at the edge of the galaxy. So does that mean he wants the restaurant... Millie ways to be put in at Beagle Point. The McDonald's, the Starbucks at Beagle we, Point. We want a McThargoid. No, no, we need a Millie ways. <laughs> For those isn't in the universe, unfortunately. Nah, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Neither's McThargoid, though, so hey. <laughs> yes, well, I think we'll avoid what uh, May Swallow um, does at Boston Base. <laughs> just, <laughs> just for good taste reasons. Which probably uh, is a good taste. Yeah, but, but Mayswell right, does taste right nice. But it was interesting, the, the bug that hit, because it seemed to be related to almost an ISP or where you were, because some people could get on and mine perfectly happy, where others were down for quite a considerable number of days, depending on where in the world you were and what your ISP was. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Um, what? What I noticed was that on the PlayStation, way less people had that issue. We had issues with the mission board that it slowly loaded, but all of us could sign up. Uh, I, I'm not sure if the missions board are um, 
mission boards are not shared or well they're supposed to be supposedly special mission board servers aren't they now which is which is why a board flipping doesn't work now so i'm not sure whether they are shared between playstation and pc platforms i don't know either but I felt sorry for my PC comrades that uh, weren't able to get on while I was happily mining away. Mm. I mean, the the thing that's been uh, that everybody was mining for was this um, was this mega ship. Um, is that going to be appearing at Beagle Point and offering commanders lift back? I think it's just limited to to uh, Sagittarius A, isn't it? I don't think it's going to move with the fleet. I have no idea what this mega ship's going to be doing. To be honest, I guess so technically, if it's a, you know they could do one like Gnosis, and all of a sudden this mega ship appears at say Waypoint Eight or something like that. That that would be kind of awesome if it did. It yeah. kind of cheapens what Jackstone did, though, doesn't True. it? True. Well, yeah, we all spent everyone spent weeks um, building his station up with Grindonium, and then it only got to Colonia. Mm-hmm. And now, automatically, a space station appears. Well, it's not space station, it's a mega ship. Well, no, there's a space station at... Um, okay, right, that one. Anchorage, yeah. isn't there? So, yeah. you know, if they have a mega ship can appear that far, you think, well, if only Jax had waited a couple of years, he could have, you know, not had all the hassle. Well, he's story he's of life col- there, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's a colonial now. Jax is happy. <laughs> he says he's happy, so, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, th- what I was thinking was that um, it has been noted the the vast amount of commanders that are out there on distant worlds. Um, I, I get the feeling that there'll be quite a few people who get to Beagle Point and say, "Right, that's it. Um, I think I'll partnership here until 2020." And a couple of months down the line, they'll say, "Oh, you know what? I'll go and give it another try," and then realise, "Oh, better not," because I'm still back out at Beagle Point and I've got. That would take me ages to get home. I just wondered if the if that mega ship was going to be some kind of shortcut to get back to the bubble, without having to blow your ship up. He's well, a, a, a bit of well, a <laughs> bunch of lazy tow rags, though. You know, you know, go to people point and come back on your own steam, you lazy so and so. Yeah, but you th- if you think about it, you may have a, quite a lot of people who will be losing a lot of player numbers who just get there and go, ah, oh, I just can't be bothered coming back. But then they blow up, don't they? And they take the exploration data with them. That's the penalty. Yeah, but doesn't that only they... get them back to Colonia? Depends where they docked last, doesn't it? No, I thought it's, when it's you, you die, station. you go back to the closest station now. Well, if they docked to Sagittarius A, it would get them back there, wouldn't it? Yeah, but you'd still lose all your nav data. So, but this is the whole point of exploration to try and explore the galaxy rather than. Hmm. You know what it's like? It's a bit like taking the B roads to, I don't know, get to Land's End. And then, oh, I can't be bothered. I'll, I'll leave my car at Land's End and I'll take the train back. Let them stay out there. <laughs> okay. Um, well, has anybody got any final points they'd like to, uh, to say about the, the CGs? before we move on to, to this. Uh... <laughs> Once again, it was a lot of fun. Loved the wing mining. It was awesome. And yeah, I totally and utterly blame Dan and Will Riker for introducing me to wing mining from the fir- in the first CG. So 
thank you very much for, for encouraging me by proxy to do it again. I've got one last question. Do we have any idea when the mega will be constructed? We've got nothing. Um, I'm not aware of anything from the department heads. We've had no meetings or anything. So I think it's, I think it's quite under wraps on, on, on our end. And I guess that goes to what it's going to be called. Likewise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> A useful font of information. <laughs> oh, it's, it's going to be Main and McMainer face. Yeah. Oh, God. Rocky McRock face. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, well, we'll leave the second the the CG behind for the final CG, so to speak. Hold on, uh, and pardon? I think the mega ship should be a space treasure. Do you remember the space treasure that's slipped into beta and then disappeared? Yes. I think yeah. the mega ship they have out there, and in fact, it's a mining CG, should be a space treasure. Yeah, well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss the possibilities of of space treasures later. I think. Um, so we'll also welcome uh, Prime Time uh, to to the stream, uh, who did what I can only describe as the speedball. Um, Prime, would you like to describe what the speedball was? Uh, well, speedballing is basically we are trying to break uh, the physics of the game. Simply put. Oh, lovely. <laughs> lovely, yeah. We're, we're expecting David Raven to call us any day now. Um, basically, what you do is you go to a very high G planet, the higher the better, mm -hmm. and um, using a special technique of um, the flight assist off and your your thrusters, you can then accelerate way, way beyond the usual uh, top speed of your ship. Right, using a gravity assist, I got you. Yeah. Precisely. So, you know, we discovered it on uh, planets with, with 9G, where the first speedball was held. And we've done this like every every six months now. And so Distant Ball was the third, the third event of this kind. Right. And we thought, well, we are, we are at the core, we have a station. We wouldn't normally be able to speedball here because the risk is too high, you know, for the ship to get destroyed. But we have the station here, so let's go for it. Right. So so basically is the idea to throw yourself at the ground and miss. Yes, that's the basic <laughs> basic idea. Most of the time it works. Most of the time. I call shenanigans to that. Most of the time it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> with with practice you get better. I take it Ben needed a lot of practice. I, I don't it took me two attempts to get to to make it down. Do you, want to, do you want to know where Ben ended up on the leaderboard? <laughs> probably all over it in little pieces, probably. Yes. And, <laughs> and the largest piece of him came in at place 29, which Out isn't of... last. It's not oh, last. Oh, it's not last. No, right. it's second to last. <laughs> Why was Commander Thane taking part? Um... <laughs> Sorry, it's uh, our our commander thing. Whenever he attempts something, he always becomes he always comes last yeah. in every single bucky ball he takes part in. But <laughs> so Ben, you took part in this. I did. Yes, I had a blast. <laughs> I died, I but it, I had a blast. Yeah, I thought it, was a, it wasn't a blast; it was an explosion. Well, yes, it was kind. Of, I kind of smeared. I only died twice. I don't. I don't have any attempts that normally to do. To to do these kind of things, but 
Yeah. Um, hey, so the weird thing that I find so about doing was everything felt so under control. Because like, you were watching my first one, and it was like, everything was like, it's all under control, this is fine. And then you get down to that final 10 kilometers, and it's like, right, now I need to try and slow down, get myself under normal control. And that's when everything just went to hell, and I went boom, boom. Um, I, I just, I went splat. So where was this, uh, where was this set? Uh, in one of these uh, unpronounceable systems, basically. Um, but I, it's, it's an, I think there's a video in the background now. Very nice. Um, yeah, we had a few people looking around for high G planners around the core, and we found two or three of them, both around 500 light years from the core with 4G, which is very nice for beginners. You know, it's easy, it's not too high. You don't get too fast. But yeah, look at look at the location. It's just a pretty place. Yeah, it was right. a very, very pretty place to, to die. Yes, multiple <laughs> times. Multiple times. And so, I think, I think I'm sorry, I think your description of speed building is very, very accurate, actually. It's 10 minutes of nothing seemingly happening, and then 10 seconds of sheer blind panic and mashing the boost button. <laughs> I take it mashing the boost button 90 degrees away from the ground. Yes, preferably. <laughs> so, just wondering, actually, to get these speeds, hmm? are we... I know you're describing it as breaking the game mechanics, but are we... If you were to just sit there and decelerate without pressing up or anything like that, we just your hands off, and just let gravity take you down. Have you figured out how much commander intervention speeds you up versus I'm going to fall like a brick? Well, fine, you should mention that. We had one one bowler who had his T9 filled up uh, the cargo hold with rare materials to you know celebrate oh, no! celebrate the the arrival <laughs> at Beagle Point. No, he was he was quite sensible. <laughs> Bowling in a scene. Yeah, he, he dumped his wares and had a, a friend in a beluga pick them up. Uh, basically, oh, right. basically, hold my beer. The problem <laughs> is the other commander was watching live streams at the time. Yes. And didn't didn't notice that gravity sort of got a hold of him. <laughs> in the end. Without without any any command intervention, I think he bowled his beluga to well, 1,500, 1,600 meters per second, which is half about what we did in the in the end. <laughs> I must admit that this is fantastic. It's, oh man, it's even funny so, if you watch if you watch the footage because there were people in chat telling him you're going to die in a minute, and he just didn't see it. Yeah. So th this is what uh, people call bowling, is it? Yes. Right, gotcha. Of course, because it's, yeah. Because <laughs> I keep on, I had noticed on the forums there was a lot of um, people referring to bowling, and I was there thinking, what is, I think they organized a 10 pin bowling event or something like that. But it now makes perfect sense. Um, <laughs> yes, it looks like it looks like you're going at 3,000 meters a second there. Uh, 3,800. So <laughs> there are two. Well, three big questions that have to be asked here. What was the highest speed recorded on any, on any of these? Uh, that's a difficult question because we had different g forces, uh, gravitational forces on on every 
every single one. Uh, this one, uh, Distant Worlds, had a top speed of around 4,000, uh, exactly 4,078. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, the one before was a bit fast because it was a 5G world, but we had to stay between the two towers of a planetary outpost. <laughs> Which our very own Commander Sanderling did with 4,474 meters per second. Bloody hell. <laughs> which is still rather slow, a pedestrian, compared to his record from the first speedball we did on a 9G planet, which yeah. was 9,091. <laughs> <laughs> which again is like snail's pace. Which he's currently attempting to break, actually, on a... a nearly 10g landable planet the highest landable rotation we know of and he takes like five hours of flying to bowl right so five hours of bowling in fa off you know and his personal record is um slightly above thirty-two thousand meters per second oh, wow <laughs> how what, how is he doing it for five hours i have no idea Bloody hell. Yeah, it's, that's it's the thing in VR as well, so no oh, idea. Cool. Talk about the vomit comet. Oh, so so the other the other big question is uh, how many people died? <laughs> it's tricky to answer, but because we don't have exact statistics about it, because you know we can only get from EDSM from pilots who actually oh, submit to EDSM, but. We we estimate around between between thirty and forty ships destroyed. All oh, right. So so the rumors that um, you'd managed to kill more people than distant ganks is is a bit of an understatement. That overstatement, rather. Well, we tried. <laughs> so yeah, um, Ben, have you got any other questions? I don't have any other questions apart from saying you know thank you very much the question because yeah. I had, I had okay. fun doing it <laughs> you're welcome well what we'll do um, we, is we will take the uh, sample run the, the YouTube clip that you've supplied us and we'll put that into uh, the show notes so that people will be able to see what I can only describe as people being mental <laughs> <laughs> In mentally risking their ships in the most bizarre way, it does remind me of um, squirrel suits. Have you seen the the flying the flying suits where people just jump yes. off mountains with this? Yes. It just reminds me so much of that. <laughs> That's <laughs> if you want to risk your T nine doing that, you are welcome to, and we'll laugh when you hit the ground. <laughs> people have been doing this in Corvettes. In Corvettes. Yep, I can tell you the fastest Corvette recorded. Give me a second. Yeah. Was uh, 8,535 meters <laughs> Oh, and that is, it, it is ridiculous speed, isn't it? It is. Ludicrous, even. <laughs> Go to ludicrous so speed, Captain. Did they load up on prismatics and shield boosters, stuff like that, to almost make themselves like bounce off? Yeah, people have survived it. People have survived it. People can survive uh, bouncing at 8,000 meters a second. Yes. Bloody hell. Uh, how? Just, just, <laughs> if you hit just the right angle, you, you can. 
it's just more luck than skill. I think I've, I think I'll just have a, a an addition to the sport that you're talking about. If, if you skipping. Can, if you can survive bouncing off, it's who can bounce off the highest from at that speed. <laughs> I think it's more like skimming stones, isn't it? See how many yeah. times you hit the ground as you. Yes, that's, <laughs> you come that's more like it. <laughs> Can you imagine if we could do this on water worlds, and then you could actually skim off? The <sighs> Sorry, I'm, I'm dreaming again, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, put it put it in the suggestion list for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jay Stride is saying that they bounced at 300 meters a second in his T9 without taking any damage. And all crows of black actually can verify that she she witnessed it. I can't believe you hit at three thousand meters a second and survived. That's impressive. What must have the shields been like? Yeah, I mean, I know when I when I bounced, I basically I bounced, I span like mad, mm-hmm. and then I went boom boom. Yeah. So would that um, be kinetic damage, or would that be? I'm just trying to think. If you had a resistance boosters, how what would you tune your boosters to? I think it'd probably be kinetic. <laughs> it has to be kinetic, rather yeah. rather explosive, wouldn't it? Well, of course, but, you you have turned yourself into a mass driver at that point. <laughs> I thought, I'm just wondering, actually, with you, the speed you're traveling, at, we're not in we're not in atmosphere. But if you were in atmosphere, that would probably actually almost be you know a, effectively a beam weapon. Well, it's it's Mac twenty six or Mac twenty seven. What we're doing? <laughs> see, I uh, see, see. I uh, know. I, I know white van drivers that can go quicker than that. So that's not very <laughs> impressive. The, fun, the funny thing is, over at the Speedball two over Bombelli Prospect, we managed to hit stationary ships while we were going four thousand meters per second. Wow! So you can you can actually aim that thing, and it just vaporized them. <laughs> so, I think I think Lord, Lord Diamond was in a, a eagle hovering about the base, and someone came in with his I don't know what it was, but he just smacked him out of the way, and <laughs> there wasn't even any warning. It's just instant instant revive screen. screen. See, that's now another sport. That is now another sport you've invented. There, it really is bowling, isn't it? You could line your, your sidewinders up with flight assist off, because they they wouldn't move with, them. and you just have yeah. So basically, line up about what, 10 sidewinders in a triangle and see how many you can get in one go. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Prime, when you go back to the bubble, you need to try that. Yeah, and I will giving, happily be a victim. You're giving me serious ideas for the next people, yeah. We need to do this. <laughs> and we're broken, Ben. I love. I would love. I want to see the video of that. It was brilliant. And they've got to be sitting there in FA off as well when when the guy's on final. <laughs> so yeah. basically, if you do get hit, it's just bang everywhere. Well, the hammers. Yeah. The hammers of slow invented a similar game. Well, the, yeah. In what they call, they call slot my sidewinder, I think the hammers called it, where you have a, a heavily shielded sidewinder um, just outside the docking port. And you then have to ram a ship into it and then try and score the goal by playing <laughs> the sidewinder through the docking port. It's kind of like pool, really, isn't it? Ship pool. Pretty much. I mean, I know, I, I, I really enjoyed banging Kate. I'm sorry, you enjoyed banging Kate what? Sorry. 
Oh, you just know that he was going to do I, I say do. that. Yeah. Uh, when I went know. off, Kate's usually the ball when I've whenever I've done slots by Sidewinder, and you know she just likes getting hit through the through the docking port. This is getting very dodgy. So let's move move it on before <laughs> before John Barryman turns up and slaps Ben for being too. <laughs> <laughs> For patent infringers or something. <laughs> something like but that. But why sidewinder by proxy? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I must admit that is something that we've, we're going to have to to really keep an eye on because it, it sounds mental. So we'd like to thank Primetime for, for bringing that to our attention and, and blowing Ben up several times. My pleasure. <laughs> We should have a, like an equivalent of a laid radio blue Peter badge, shouldn't we? Where we give it to people who have done laid radio a service. So by blowing Ben up multiple times, I think that would deserve a laid radio blue Peter badge. Um, yeah, it's actually what looks like a wrench. He's just a hand holding a wrench and a little badge. I think that I've just come up with a design. <laughs> it's the it's the laid radio wrench badge. Okay, maybe that's just me. So, um, well, if you if you um, if you'd like to stick around, Prime, you, you feel free to join in our, in our next uh, part of the show. Although I wonder whether or not we should take an ad break, and we'll be back with our uh, discussion after that. Natural remedies have always been some of the galaxy's finest, so when we discovered a wholly natural way of slimming down and reducing your appetite, we had to share it with everyone. Harnessing the amazing powers of our native parasitic life, we've solved an age-old problem. Vega Slimweed has been used by settlers of the region for decades with undeniable results and significant health benefits. If you think that Vega Slimweed could be the solution you're looking for, speak to your doctor today. Travelling with Vega Slimweed ingestive may constitute smuggling. Please check before your journey and declare yourself a customs for an internal search. Failure to digest does not constitute grounds for reimbursement. Side effects may include but are not limited to increased blood pressure and heart rate, insomnia, nervousness, blurred vision, restlessness or headache. Some forms of parasite may cause stomach side effects like constipation, dry mouth, nausea or vomiting. A small sample of patients exhibit full body paralysis, catatonic state and internal hemorrhaging. Parasite must be purged before pupation, else death will occur. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions?
Choose life. Choose a shit. Choose a career. Choose a cargo. Choose a fucking big shit. Choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers. Choose good health, low cholesterol and ship insurance. Choose fixed interest loan repayments. Choose a space station. Choose your friends. Choose leisure wear and matching luggage. Choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of f***ing colours. Choose decals, exploration and wondering where the f*** you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing f***ing junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. And there's some f***er comes along to steal your ship, your cargo and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? Oh, and welcome back. Um, well, before we go on uh, and discuss the the new live events or replacements for the CGs, um, Commander Will T. Riker has um, a couple of examples about the new Aura Review. Um, and, uh, yeah, would you like to just quickly uh, take us through it? Yes, um, during the mapping uh, project, we found some prime examples why the Aurora Review is uh, bringing a lot to the table of Elite and, and what it actually helps us to do. I'm just waiting for my stream to be put on so I can show exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so for instance, uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people knew that, but uh, it can happen that the planet has three rings. and uh, we found an example where the two inner rings are quite close to the planet, as we usually have them. And then one is so far out that you can't actually map it. So <laughs> going back to our completeness and, and, and comprehensiveness uh, feature that we wanted with our mapping, um, uh, okay, so what's the... Okay, um, we couldn't actually map that ring. So if anybody finds out how to map that ring, uh, you, you'll get a special thank you from me. Um, the other ring hasn't been mapped. And the best thing about this is that there is so much space between the inner two rings and this outer ring that there is a planet in between. There is a planet orbiting within the two rings, which I find fascinating and you can see very good on the on the orary view which hopefully will show up in the stream in a second but yeah i'm not sure were you guys aware that there were planets that had three rings around it i've definitely seen two rings i yeah, might it's, it's probably have seen three rings. but i'm not sure this one there's an inner rocky ring then it has a metal rich ring then there is the planet 2a and then there is the outer ring 
Uh, this can actually be seen within the system itself, but you'd never see it on the normal map. Right. So, oh, you mean on the um, on the system view, you wouldn't be able to see the the outer no, ring. I'm just pulling up the system view here, and uh, you can you 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 see the outer ring, but you so don't see the constellation. And gotcha. And you to be to be fair, you see this when you're in the system, so that's okay. But what you would never see in the system, let me just pull up another. So I'm guessing the reason why you can't map it is because you you wind up being too far from the planet or something. Exactly. Um, it's just too far from the planet. When you engage in the discovery scanner, the the you have to be too close to the planet that the ring is too far away to actually map it. Oh. Because I know when I've been playing, I had two, I had two planets that were sort of like a light second, well, maybe not a light second, but there were two planets in orbit around each other. And I did, I was able to map one planet from the other one. Uh, so I know your probes can go pretty far, but I don't know how far. Um. To be fair, this is not the first time we have had happen this. Um, this is like the second or third ring hmm. that we found that was too far away from the planet. Um, I just love how we find these nuances during the mapping. Yeah. And here you see another system, nothing too special about it. But if you look at the, the, um, this, yeah, no, the second and the third planet here, um, they are literally at the exact same distance to the star. Um, oh. And you often have uh, some that are very close to each other, but these are like to the, to the second decimal place, exactly the same distance. And again, the Orary view shows us why this actually is. Um, so if you look at this here, um, let me get it in the right focus, A2 and A3 here, they build an equilateral triangle with uh, the star at A, uh, which tells us that these are at the Lagrange points of each other. Right. And I just love how you see that in the Orary view. All right, so so oh, so it just goes to show that it's probably it's the the Orary view is actually showing the actual physics of the system right in front of you. So you know. That do, yes. you can actually see where the Lagrange points are. Yes, you can actually see that they build an equilateral triangle and they must be at the Lagrange points four and five of each other, which is proper astrophysics. And it just shows us that the stellar forge is actually really good. Yeah. I mean, I must admit that the thing that I'm, I, I constantly get blown away by this, especially after playing um, other games like Freelancer and No Man's Sky, is how much more sense the galaxy makes because it follows the proper rules of physics. Exactly. I just love that. The, the game is just awesome in that way. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that is, that is a, an, an excellent... Uh, summary of of the what advantages you can have with the aura review. I hope, hope people found that useful. Um, we'll also take this um, 
this opportunity to uh, to wish uh, primetime casual uh, good night if because he, he says he, he has to go so thanks for joining us and and showing your bowling madness thank you <laughs> um, we'll, we hope to hear, we hope to hear of more madness coming our way soon absolutely uh, okay thank you well um, for the rest of uh, this uh, this episode, we just want to to touch on um, one of the the new items that was raised by um, Will Flanagan, and that is these replacement for the CGs, the live events. So, I mean, what we need to know really is what are they? How could they work? What kind of event these things could be? So. Just to, to uh, quote the man himself, it says, um, one of the biggest challenges will be the way that we create and support in-game events and activities. Starting in the coming months, there will be, there will be, we will be looking at changing the ways in-game events happen. The aim here is to create ongoing, engaging, and various sets of content that's supported by the development team, which players will be able to actively engage. We have listened to the community feedback regarding community goals, and while they are an incredibly an incredible tool, they have become somewhat routine for many commanders, and we felt we need to adjust them uh, to be more event-related while taking our in-game events a bit step further, a big step further, rather. We will be gradually changing our community goals and their frequency and using them with larger scale Skid at a larger schedule of development-led events to help us create more improved, more improved, meaningful and engaging experiences. Right. So um, this, for me, um, does feel a bit like right. We're going to use these events to move the plot forward. Uh, has anybody else got any thoughts on this? Yeah. If you, well, I'm not sure you were there. Um, Colin, but a couple of weeks ago when we had Will and Sally on the stream, uh, we asked about um, the community-led events and what they could be. And I, I kind of gave Will a scale uh, where at one end there was the Salome event yeah. and at the other end was the sort of automated CG event. And I asked yes. them where on that scale did these community events sit? And the reply given was quite interesting. He, he said it was more towards the Salome-style event than it was the CG. So that sort of implies it's more than just setting up a megaship and letting people get on with it. Mm -hmm. It did sort of imply that developers themselves would be playing an active part in it. You're like uh, GMs, really, aren't they? Yeah, but for example, I mean, the examples that came through my mind was you could have the developers flying Thargoid ships, and then we, the players, would have to fight against the developers. And so instead of using exploitable AI, mm -hmm. it's almost like a PvP, but the the VP is versus the developers. Yeah, that could that could be a possibility. I mean. Um... I mean, these live events, I mean, the, obviously they're going to be uh, 
of more flexible than the static CGs. It'll be more than just hopefully fill your but uh, buckets, if you see what I mean. Um, have you, has anybody got any ideas of what they think uh, these things might consist of? Well, we just I just mentioned one, but the other thing that I sprung to yeah. mind when he said it was it could be that these are a if you're not there, you missed it style thing because yeah. it's unlikely that you'll have developers on hand twenty four by seven for a week. No, no. Stuff. But you know, I know I know what you're saying about twenty four seven for a week, but that's based on a, a CG. I would have thought if they do run one of these events that they do run it over twenty four hours so that everybody has an opportunity to take part. You would need to get plenty of notice though, because otherwise you'd get a lot of salt from people who said, I had work that night or I didn't know or whatever it was. Mm. So you'd need lots of notice, I think, which comes back to building the story up because you would hope they would build the story up to a finale and the finale would then be the developer-led event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this I mean, this smacks to me of um, the live events of... MMOs that I've been in before. I mean, the one that I know practically lived on events like this was the Matrix Online, which had a grind in it that made um, Elite Dangerous seem like nothing. It really did. But what what kept people interested was that every month uh, in the run-up to the ground, they had these massive live events where everybody would take part. The developers would run um, scenario, scenarios and, and GM the event uh, and everybody got involved and it, it it kept the plot of the of the game moving is I can just see so many parallels I mean Jan you know of other MMOs that have done these kind of things haven't you that's right yes um, in Guild Wars 2 for example particularly towards the end of the beta um, you would get the developers playing the antagonists mm -hmm. or actually playing with the players so uh, it became a a developer led event in that in that respect and people still remember the particular event because it wasn't just a scripted event there were actually people behind the the targets and also there was communication in game from i don't know the developers would be taunting players you know you can't get me the that sort of stuff. So yeah, the, it was that, and also I think in uh, most other MMOs, they have a similar kind of mechanic of the developers actively taking part and running events, and generally they've been pretty well received. The only thing is, out of the ones I've witnessed, is it was quite resource intensive on behalf of the developers to keep running these things. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. That, I mean, that is the thing that that does concern me. And anybody else, uh, feel free feel free to to chip in. But um, it does concern me that they might have bit enough more than they can chew if they're not aware of how much effort these things take. If well, if they do that and then they find, oh my god, we really can't do this and can't maintain this. They'll do a typical frontier thing and do it and never see it again. Mm. 
I mean, I, I can obviously see some things where um, they, they've said they're going to be reusing um, assets that they've that they've been putting into the game, and one of the first ones that jumped to my mind was obviously the good old uh, space dredger. One of the things that everybody is scared of is a space dredger bearing down on a space station. Imagine if you have um, you have to stop it, and that could be a, a interesting live event, but it's those it's those kind of things that well i guess we're, we're clutching at straws trying to predict the future here the main question i have to ask is judging by the salome event and judging by the gnosis event do you think they've learned enough lessons to be able to pull this off no <laughs> being blunt because yeah. well well they sorry I just, I just agree. I totally agree with you. I don't think. I think now, judging by the, uh, I mean, something so simple as a mission board for the for an eleven thousand strong CG, um, and it was you know it was a day, almost a day short for most people to sign up to it. Just a, a, an example of you know, I, I I think it'll be great if you know I, I'm I'm fully behind them, but. We know as well as anybody, it's like, come on, you know, knuckle down and, and, and get it ironed out first. And then, you know, we're, we're all yours, basically. Can I ask, Dan, what the hell are you doing in the background? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> are you, like, filing your nails or something? I don't know what the hell you're <laughs> Oh, sorry. Can you speak? Mike's come off my bad. <laughs> uh, but it does raise the question, though. I think you raise a good point there, Dan, because we know Elite in its current form has issues with instancing and trying to fit more than about 20 people in an instance yeah. is very difficult. So just how many developers are they going to need to avoid the, oh, I missed the event, I couldn't get into the instance thing? Well, it, well I don't think... Uh, I think they're going to have to design these events around the instancing problem, so that they don't have they don't have that pro that that issue. Because if these events are as popular as the Gnosis on the Salome event, um, they're going to need some way to manage that situation. The, you obviously can't have um, ten thousand people in the same instance, um, so they're going to have to work out a way that smaller groups can get involved but without breaking the system and also making it feel as if they're all making a contribution otherwise you you're right back to everybody's rescued the princess so the princess is worth nothing and doing that basically lends itself so it's it's not being actually having a developer say driving a space dredger into lave station you know, you just you the developer led event is we'll put a dredger a hundred kilometers away from Lave Station and flying at one meter a second towards it, stop it or the station gets it. That that is a perfect example because basically the developers set the, the event in motion. Uh, and obviously when the when the space dredger has received an, enough damage across all instances, it blows up. Yeah. So it's still filling buckets. But subtly in a different way. Yeah, <laughs> in a different way, and it would be great if everybody who's in the instance when it blows up actually sees it blow up. 
That I'd love that, even though it'll probably never happen. Uh, Shan, you want to jump in? Yeah, I was going to say something similar to Ben. Is I think maybe we need to reset our expectations of what these developer-led events are, because I think Ben has got a point. Because you can't have yeah a developer in every instance, and it's more likely to be, I think, the developer dynamically changes the size of the bucket. Mm-hmm. as the event goes on than it is about a developer flying a ship around space hoping not to get blown up. So I think it's more likely to be t- developer tweaking rather than developer flying or directly mm-hmm. intervening. Or it could be a case of where we have things happening in in the standard filling the bucket community goal type way, only the developer will come along halfway and add a plot twist and then find out, that, say for instance, that when everybody's been helping out, they've actually been helping the wrong people and then they've all got to run around and do something else in order to, to save the day. Giving, giving it a little bit more um, dynamic, a more dynamic feel to it. So do you think we can see developers spawning ships? You know, if there's a if they have a CG and mm-hmm. it kills so many pirates, you have a developer coming in and spawning sh- pirate ships around the space station to attack bounty hunters and things like that. So it's actually the developers directly intervene in the CG by spawning stuff. So I, I think yeah, I think that's a, that is a good. Uh, possibility, you know, obviously the developers probably won't be flying the ships individually, but they'll probably say right, okay, um, this lot aren't doing that well um, or this lot are doing far too well defending this space station, let's go in and up it by adding in um, two fleets of anacondas. (laughs) The important thing will be there that there are actual consequences for failing. That is a good point. But because then it's meaningful what we are doing. Then it's then it has a real feel to it. I mean that is a very good point because so far I don't think I've come across a single CG which has failed, or it's it's not fail. It, it's the CGs that have failed have always failed due to bugs. Yeah. Well, they yeah. set the bar so low for CGs to fail. It's almost impossible to because I think what happened. I don't know if you remember, but. During um, the first year of Elite's lifetime, there was a CG where if you got to a certain tier, you unlocked certain weapons. Mm-hmm. And I think we failed to unlock um, Class 3 gimbaled beam blazers, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And there was an enormous amount of salt on the forum saying, well, hang on a minute, you didn't tell us if we didn't get this level, we wouldn't get beam blazers. We thought if you just did the CG... You got everything. And then after a bit of to and froing, um, mm-hmm. Frontier relented and put the beam lasers in the game. And I, I'm not sure we've had similar consequences since because when we had the Thargoid CG, you know, where um, you had to deliver certain amounts of Thargoid materials to unlock for Guardian weapons or yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever that one. Um, it was if you got to Tier 1, you got the unlock. Whereas I was expecting it to be, if you didn't get, you didn't finish the CGs, get to tier eight, you didn't get the weapons. And mm-hmm. that I think would, and the way I would have done it, this is just going on a bit of a tangent, but the way I would have done it is I would have had the CG as an either or. So the first one, you either get matter alloy shit reinforcements 
or you get AX weapons, or you get this. Mm. You actually have to, the community has to strategically choose what to unlock next. And okay. that's why I expected it to happen, to get a bit more depth, but it wasn't like that. Right. Um, Dan? Um, one of the, it just, just sprung on me now, and it's nice that I'm trying to think of something positive um, to try and, I don't want to be a naysayer all the time when I'm talking about something. Something sprang to my mind that um, a real good friend of mine, before was, he um, started Elite Launch Day, no bother, Kickstarter Launch Day, everything. And I don't have all the information entirely, but I've not heard anything since of something similar. And I don't know if any commanders ever remember, there must have been a, it's a, it's a, it's an old folk tale. Actually, I've never experienced it myself, but there was a, a CG, I believe it was Bast. And, um, one of the things was the CG never, there was no uptake on the CG and it was deliver, I think it was, uh, basic medicines or something like that to stop some contagion or I, th- I don't know if it was outbreak on the BGS. And without the uptake, the actual outbreak spread, not because of BGS, but because nobody took up the CG. Because of apathy. Yeah. No, no one gave a shit, so, so no, yeah, everybody so died. Spread. And the more, yeah. the, more no one, the more and more people didn't contribute, or because there was no money in it, you see, the basic mm-hmm. medicines didn't pay, so no one cared. Oh, hang on, that does ring a bell. Wasn't that one of the first CG? Yes, I'm sure really? Commander, Commander Polikoff is, has been my friend for many, many years. And one of his, we always used to talk about Bast. And I'm sure, I, I mean, it's only, only from what I'm here, but I'm sure that's one of the scenarios. Or if it wasn't, then stems a good use of scenarios that something like an outbreak mm-hmm. or something like that could be the consequences that we're talking about. You know, in terms of if people don't up to like one of them, because everyone's on Distant Worlds 2, the, the mining CG that happened in the bubble barely reached, was it tier 2? Yeah. Or tier 3, whatever. So people not uptaking, if it doesn't meet a certain, it might go up in tiers, but if it doesn't meet a certain requirement, something like an outbreak could start spread either within the system or even, you know, they take over an entire system because it's not, you know, it's not, it's not been sorted or cured or you know just something like that and spread and spread and spread it could as an exam scenario it could the people delivering the medicines their ships become contaminated and they're jumping to other systems and so on and so forth okay ben, uh, a cerberus plague didn't it yeah oh ben you got a quick idea for an event so yeah we we're just thinking about we've been spitballing in twitch chat about alternative event ideas and it was like maybe we could have like an an Armageddon-style event where you know an asteroid's plummeting in towards Earth, and basically the miners need to take away. Let's say it's a ten thousand ton asteroid. The miners mm-hmm. need to go off and take ten thousand tons of. They need to mine ten thousand tons out of this asteroid, and you know, p- potentially even it could get progressively smaller and smaller and smaller until it's just like a wee speck of dust that hits the Earth. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Basically, get the get the picks out, lads. We're, we're going to be busy. But obviously, because we've got limpets, we're not just like it's not your typical Armageddon event where you go off and here's a great idea. Let's go and blow this rock up into ten thousand bits. But we're still going to have ten thousand tons of material hitting the Earth. It's just spread over a bit larger area. Mm. 
Well, um, unfortunately, I think time is actually against us tonight. I mean, obviously, I mean, we could probably come back and, and spitball this idea quite a lot more, but it is going to have to be a case of we'll just have to wait and wait and see what Frontier have got up their sleeves for this. Um, I mean, we're hoping that lessons have been learned from previous events, I think, is the general consensus. Yeah, well, we know there's going to be hiccups in it because it just there just is. So I think the 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 ask is well, mm. let's 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 judge them by not necessarily by how it ended up, but Mm-mm. by the direction they're going. Because the first right. couple, I'm sure, are going to be troublesome. Be- because it's yeah, there's, there's going to be bedding in, isn't there? As long as people understand, there's going to be bedding in, and they don't reach for the salt cellars as soon as possible. So, leaving that around, uh, behind just quickly, uh, we've got a few things to, to mention in the community. Uh, the first thing is that, um, for those of you who are unaware, we have a uh, Commander Thane who does Escape Velocity, uh, a, uh, a audio drama uh, which is available on the Live Radio website. Um, for those of you who've been following this, uh, we know that there are three seasons, uh, and the first two seasons um, are at the moment being redone with special effects that uh, take him, or sound effects taken from the Elite Dangerous game itself. Season three already has them, and um, Chris Jarvis has been remixing. Uh, the first two series to include them. The first, the piece of news is that the first season is now complete. Um, hopefully, we uh, anybody who's been a patron backer for the Escape Velocity project should have their special USB credit card by now. I, I know that people in the UK have, so if you're overseas, it, it is on its way. And these things are still available if you join the patron. Um, I know Chris is going to be start working on season two soon and uh, uh, more news as we get it. Um, ben, do you want to quickly touch on Commander Tukoso? Yeah, sure. So Tom Cook's gone off and <clears throat> I've got a frog in my throat now. Uh, Tom Cook or Commander Tukoso has gone off and done another awesome song. He recently did one basically about exploring Edition Worlds 2. And this is along the same vein, but this one's... Ev- I, in some ways, it's even better because it's actually sung by his daughter who sings it. And she's... I'm not going to say how old she is, but she is significantly younger than I thought she was. Oh, um, right. You know, she's, she's on, under 16. Uh, And she's remaining anonymous because, you know, basically she she doesn't, well, because of things, and also she doesn't want to be associated with her dad's nerdy space game. Ah, right. Well, we'll just quickly quickly jump in there and wish uh, Commander Will T. Riker uh, a good night. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, uh, thanks for showing us that stuff with the, uh, the orrery map. So... Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, right, the new Operation Indie Croft. Um, FDEV has said that there is more than one way to stop start Thargoid incursions. Well, that's news to me. I thought it was just the only thing that we've got to stop them is, is shooting them. Um, we're using the Eagle Eye Network to determine where the Thargoids will attack next and going to the systems and killing scouts to stop the incursions. Only to tell the truth, we're not having that much luck with it. Um, we all know that previously um, 
unknown artifacts could damage stations and MAs could fix, uh, meta alloys could fix them. We know that pre-delivery of uh, meta alloys could stop UA attacks. We know that ancient artifacts and oithargoids. Um, so, brackets, tin foil time. What if we use ancient artifacts to inoculate a system ahead of a Thargoid incursion. To this end, um, they're asking for commanders' help to collect ancient relics from ruin sites, loading them into cutters to the brim, and then drop them at the target stations which have been mentioned to the eagle eye. Um, so basically, they'd like to, to run uh, people to go off to the Guardian sites, get as many uh, guardian artifacts and, and things that they can and come back to one of their targeted systems and drop them off. Uh, and just to see whether or not that has an effect to put the Thargoids off actually invading. Uh, what we'll do is we'll put um, details of this in our show notes and uh, we'll, we'll let everybody decide whether or not they want to put the tinfoil hat on or not. So I think I've found a flaw in their logic go on quickly well if ancient artifacts and guardian stuff annoy thargoids mm -hmm. isn't filling a space station up with them going to annoy them onto the space station <laughs> rather than make them a bigger target you mean yes uh, i i would love can you imagine if they went off and did that and instead of the space station just getting mildly toasted it gets um, vaporized. <laughs> yeah, let, let's let's say vaporized. Which again, though, is tactically useful because if you yeah. can nominate a victim station each week <laughs> by doing that, then you reduce the pressure on the rest of them. Yeah. Right. Um, do we have any final questions before um, I give the shouts to wrap the show up? Uh, any? I've not seen any questions in Twitch or anywhere like that or on Twitter emails and things nope right well fair enough um i will point out that um for those of you who have uh, who also listen to the guard frequency we would like um to just let them know that um we came up with elite feet about 18 months ago so you can't copyright that one <laughs> If you've heard the latest episode, they got really excited because they realized that they could call Space Legs Elite Feet. And we all know that Grant came up with that months and months and months ago. Just just saying. Is this the same as our end of show catchphrase? Um, let's just not go there. Otherwise, I'll, I will get the salt cellar out. Anyway, <laughs> um, for everybody um, who's, who's been listening to the show, uh, hopefully by now you know that LaveCon is between the 4th and 7th of July at the Sedgebrook Hall Hotel, and it's now sponsored by Sp our friends at Spider-Man Games. Um, and we do, I think all the gold tickets have now gone. Um, uh, Karen will let us know, and we'll have an, an update for that for you next week. Um, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, broadcasts on Thursday at uh, 8.30. Uh, you can find them at tvforthemug.com or radioforthemug.com if you just want the audio. We've got the CQC Discord for the discerning ca uh, commander that likes uh, a bit of CQC action at HTTPS discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC. So we do have the most excellent 
Commander Pete Witherspoon and his Galnet news coming up next. Um, has anybody got any final business or highlights they'd like to quickly shout out? I have two final bits. Uh, Winjin Prom is asking, will Elite Miniatures be at ECM? Um, yes, Winjin Prom, the Elite Miniatures will be at ECM. Um, I, I, I said that at the beginning of the show because I'm doing prep work for the uh, for it right now. And, uh, and ECM thank you for the latest is Easter weekend, isn't Easter weekend it at is. Manchester? Um, as I said before, it is on the 20th of April. Uh, oh, what's the name of the hotel? Damn, I wish Grant was here. <laughs> you can find it on the forum. <laughs> Uh, and the other, another thing, but I think Ventura can answer this. But we will be playing to, uh, to Commander Tokoso's newest song after our outro music, but before Garnet News Audio. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll, we'll be playing Tom's song as well. Yeah, the the ECM is uh, in Manchester at the Renaissance Hotel on the twentieth of April. Um, tickets are available. Um, if you go, well, I'm just trying to at elitemeet.info if you want more details. Right, so that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at laveradio.com, facebook.com slash laveradio, and at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server, where commanders come to hang out and chat at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half past eight and streamed out at laveradio.com. Dot com dot slash live. So, thanks to Commander Polish Dan, um, Commander Will T. Riker, uh, uh, Ben, and uh, Commander Shan, and also our our other guest, uh, Prime Time Casual. Ah, so, until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
Telnet News Digest, 19th of March, 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Tharg pleased with speedball results. Rackham at risk following CFO replacement. Distant ganks gets gone. Tharg pleased with speedball results. 5th inside the Distant Worlds 2 expedition, Commander Primetime Casual, is reported to have destroyed more ships than the entire Thargoid attack fleet in the past week, with the Distant Worlds edition of his infamous speedball event. The sport of speedball uses a loophole in the shipboard computer software that allows ships to accelerate without limit towards a high-gravity world if you turn flight assist off and pretend to be trying to resist the gravitational pull. The aim of the event is to achieve the highest possible terminal velocity without the attempt actually being terminal. As very few high-G planets have a thick covering of soft, fluffy feathers, the chance of competitor ships being lethal broken was very high indeed, with at least 30 rapid unscheduled disassemblies when the planetary surface rose to meet the plummeting ships. The winner of the fastest velocity while surviving was Commander Tado Chip, who achieved a mind-boggling 4,078 metres per second with Commander Kikbo a very close second. There's also recognition for the closest one of the plummeting ships got to the ground without actually smashing into it. This was won by Commander Care Bear, who bottomed out at just 18 metres above the unforgiving surface of the planet. The organisers proudly claim that Speedball has destroyed more ships over the two days of the event than the Distant Ganks expedition, but of course, the true winner is Tharg the Mighty, Lord of Polaris, Emperor of the Call 70 Sector and Prince of the Pleiades, whose hearts beat a little faster each time he hears of a destroyed human spaceship. In related news, Tharg is looking forward to the new developer-led events. He's been working closely with the Pilots' Federation and preparations are said to be at an advanced stage. It's unclear what arrangement Tharg has made but it seems inevitable that it'll involve the destruction of many spaceships and the provision of many thousands of canisters of baby food, which are labelled up as Occupied Escape Pods. Rackham at risk following CFO replacement. Calicozak Rackham. The colourful businessman at the head of Rackham Capital Investments is said to be at risk following the death of his best buddy, Chief Financial Officer Aaron Salazar. CFO Salazar was taken fatally ill with an unexpected and entirely unsuspicious heart attack while relaxing at the exclusive Ivy Stone Spa. Apparently struck down by grief, Rackham failed to attend the hastily convened board meeting at which outsider Taja Gavaris was appointed as the new financial head honcho. There are rumours of a split within the board, with the board members on one side and Zachary Rackham on the other. Could this be the beginning of the end for flamboyant ex-pirate Calico Zack? Is the board about to tip Captain Zack the black spot? Or does the old rogue still have it in him to run up the Jolly Roger and make his board walk the plank? We are going to have to wait 
and see. Distant Ganks Gits Gone The Distant Ganks 2 expedition has concluded, having reached Sagittarius A-star and destroyed a total of a little over 3,000 ships. The 75 members of the expedition managed to chalk up an average of 40 kills each, around 1 in 7 of the Distant Worlds 2 fleet, more than a third of which were killed in the first week, and a quarter on just one day, January the 13th. With pickings getting progressively thinner, and the expedition meeting its stretch goal for spreading happiness throughout the galaxy, there seemed little point in continuing further when there's so much more fun to be had hanging out at Felicity Forasier's engineering base of certain doom. Meanwhile, a select few distant gank expedition commanders are reported to be biding their time, ready for a very special gank when the Distant Worlds 2 fleet reaches Beagle Point. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs>